good. This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Good morning, Johannesburg. So nice to be back with you again. I have, Apostle Evan, I've had a whirlwind trip and uh, it's so nice to have our feet flat on the ground here for a while. But uh, we love you and we miss you. And I'm so glad that we can have this little time of fellowship together this morning. All right, we're going to be studying a subject title, The Samaritan Woman Meets God. The Samaritan Woman Meets God. We don't know her name. We know she was married and divorced five times. We know she was living with a man at the time that Jesus spoke with her. She was most probably a woman with an immoral lifestyle. She was probably embarrassed and wanted to stay out of public. That's why she came to the well at noon, while most of the women, maybe all of them, came in the morning in the cool of the day. She came in the heat of the day, didn't want to speak to anybody. Living with a man, be married five times. She was willing to be seen with Jesus, and Jesus was willing to be seen with her. That's interesting. Jesus was willing to be seen with her. He was willing to talk to her. We cannot help the unsaved if we're not willing to speak to them. We are to infiltrate the world with the gospel message. We need to go where the people are. Don't expect them to come walking into church. We need to go to them. That's what Jesus did. We can see that here as we continue reading from John chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Now, underline that word, he needed. He needed to go. In other words, he was compelled to go, being led to go by God. Samaria is directly between Jerusalem and Galilee. In order to make the shortest trip, a person would simply pass through Samaria on the way. But the Jews wanted nothing to do with Samaritans. And so they would not normally take the route through Samaria. They'd go much longer way around to avoid going through the town of Samaria. But Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Why? Because the Father planned for him to lead a woman to God right there, to bring her to salvation in the city of Samaria. Jesus used this as a training opportunity to train his disciples for the future. What Jesus does on this journey is an example to help us understand his command found in Acts 1 verse 8 which says, now this is Jesus speaking, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said in Acts 1 just before he ascended up in the clouds. Now he's busy with his disciples in Samaria giving them a practical lesson on what 
Acts 1.8 means. So as we read what Jesus did here, we'll understand what Jesus is talking about in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. All right, so let's carry on reading then John chapter 4 and verse 5. Eventually, Jesus came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, Now watch this very carefully. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who I am. I wish the unsaved would understand that. If they only knew the gift that God has for them and who Christ is. And even some Christians don't understand all that God has for them. If they did, they'd serve him with more commitment, greater heart, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this is a very deep well. Where would you get this living water? And besides, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his cattle enjoyed? Jesus replied, People soon become thirsty again after drinking this water. But the water I give them takes away thirst altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. Praise God. There's a lot in there. We're not going to talk about that right now. But to say this, that when you accept Christ into your heart, the Spirit of God comes into you and gives you that spring of life, that well, praise the Lord. As you worship God and pray in the Spirit, we drink from that well. 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me some of that water that I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come here to draw water. Go get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. So Jesus just gave her a brief synopsis of the history of her whole life. You've had five husbands, and now you're living with somebody who's not your husband. Verse 19, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. All right, let's skip down to verse 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah will come, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. 
Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples arrived. They were astonished to find him talking to women. But none of them asked him why he was doing it or what he had been discussing. The woman left her water jar beside the well and went back to the village and told everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can he be the Messiah? So she said, he told me everything I ever did. Gave, he gave her a brief preview of her entire life. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus to eat. No, he said, I have food you don't know about. Who brought it to him? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Now, this is the words of Jesus to his disciples. He says, do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends, four months from now? Look around you. Vast fields are ripening all around us and are ready now for the harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and their fruit, their harvest, is people brought to eternal life. Now listen to that. That's very important. Jesus said, the wages that the soul winner gets is very good. The harvesters are paid good wages. Now when God says he blesses the soul winner, that means he blesses the soul winner. Say this, if I win souls, I will be blessed of God. That means financially, in your marriage, in your family, every way. The soul winners receive good wages, not only here, but in eternity. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. That's the words of our Lord. What joy awaits both planter and the harvester alike? So those who sow by speaking about Jesus receive a reward even if the person doesn't accept Christ. And then others who reap the harvest or bring the person to Christ receive, receive a reward even though someone else did the plowing before they spoke to them. Now, you know the saying, one person plants and someone else harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and you will gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I did. Jesus has given us a few principles here to help us share our faith. And we should learn from him the greatest soul winner ever walked the earth. Number one, Jesus started by caring about her. He cared for this woman. All the training, all the memorizing of Bible verses won't do us any good if we don't care about lost souls. So my obvious question is, do we care? Do we care? And if the answer is yes, we do care, 
My next question is, when is the last time we engaged someone in conversation about Jesus? Again, when is the last time we engaged someone in conversation about Jesus? Evangelism starts with caring, and Jesus cared about lost people. How do I know that? Well, he said so in Luke 19, verse 10. The Bible said, Jesus said, And I, the Son of Man, have come to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. So this Jesus came to the earth to seek those who are lost. Now I say this, I was one of those who was lost. And praise God, I am saved because Jesus came looking for me. Praise God. The woman at the well in Samaria had no idea that she had an appointment with God that day. She just went to go get water. She had no idea that she had an appointment with God that day. The Father wants to do through you and me what he just did through Jesus. 80% of people who come to church and receive Jesus were brought by a friend or a family member. I'll say that again. 80% of the converts in any church building were brought by somebody that didn't just walk in on their own. A family member or a friend brought them. Are we willing to go to people who are different from us, like Jesus did? He went to a Samaritan, a woman, in a town that Jews don't want to go to. The Samaritan woman could not understand why Jesus would even talk to her. We have to leave our comfort zone and go to people that are older than us. Go to people that are younger than us. Go to people that are maybe a different race than we are. We need to enter their world with love. Because we love them. With the message of the gospel of love and hope. Sometimes the flesh doesn't want to do this. For many different reasons. For many different reasons the flesh doesn't want to do it. Now, here's God in a human body. He didn't have to do this, but he went all the way to Samaria because he needed to go. God led him there because the Father had that woman in mind. One woman he ministered to in that town and then left, and she came to salvation. Do you know what happened? If you read the history from the Gospels, she actually won the entire town to Jesus, and a great revival broke out there. So she was instrumental in winning many, many people to Christ, even long after he rose from the dead. God knew that. He knew that she was hungry. He knew that she was thirsty. He knew that she would serve him with all her heart. That's why I spoke along those lines to her. 
And there are many hungry and thirsty people out there. There are some that don't want to know. That's fine. Shake the dust off your feet. Go to those who do. Pray that God guides you and bring folks to church. Invite them. Drive them to church if you have to. The hungry ones, the thirsty ones, God will richly reward you as we read today. Jesus said, your wages are wonderful, are good, both now and in eternity. Raise your right hand and say, Father, I thank you for blessing the soul winner. And today I understand that Jesus wants me to win souls. I commit myself to be a soul winner and be led by the Spirit of God like Jesus was to that one soul who might make a huge difference in their neighborhood. Praise God. Amen. All right. Now, if you need prayer, you may come up to the front for prayer. If you need to receive the Holy Spirit, you can come up to the front for prayer. If you need healing or financial help, come up to the front and we'll pray with you. The leaders are here. The pastors are here, ready to minister to you. And the worship team is going to play for us in the background. And um, we're going to stand up, the rest of us, and pray in tongues for South Africa. As we've learned, South Africa needs our prayers, and now we know how to pray. So let's do it, family. Let's stand up and let's pray fervently for a few minutes for South Africa. And then remember, carry on praying for South Africa when you go home and in your prayer groups. All right? Let's do this. Stand up on your feet. Say this, Holy Spirit, I yield to you now. I thank you for your anointing upon me to pray. And I thank you for directing my prayer to bring peace to South Africa, to bring peace to the government leaders, to bring them to salvation. And those who don't want to know God, who don't want to serve God, we pray that you remove them and replace them with those who do. We thank you for solving the problems of this nation and bringing prosperity and harmony to the people of South Africa. Let's pray. Amaladise kayam 
Oshublokuslab, Lemeniki Blekesin, Hambalamoko Kolobosande, Hebrekidas, Hoblo Shikende, Endomangaya, Blekalasikend, Emblokusu, Lambangada, Embekida, Hoshalamaya, Hembreselas, Hembreselas, Ombokushi, Lak, Black, Brokom, Blanda Isaya, Hembrokalamas, Rekembru Sukush, Lamalamandike, Hembro Mokosa, Hembra Masikersa, Hembro Malataya, Heblo Kushuru, Bamba Makodas, Embo Mamankaya, Brekoborusaka Barabikendaya. Praise you, Father. We worship you. We love you. We thank you, Holy Ghost, for working. We thank you, Holy Ghost, for ministering, for touching lives, for calling people, for drawing people to Christ. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. We take authority over every demonic spirit that's holding men from salvation. We command you, Satan, to release their thinking. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we bind you. We thank you, Spirit of God, for ministering to them right now, in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord and thank Him for what He's doing. Praise you, Father, we worship you. We thank you for your goodness and mercy being poured out now on the nation of South Africa in Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. All right, you may go back to your seats. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Theo, this morning I need to be sure that I will go to heaven one day. If you're not sure, I'm going to count to three. And if you'll raise your hand right now, God will speak to you and place the assurance in your heart that you will go to heaven, that you are forgiven, that you are God's child. If that's what you want to know, slip your hand up when I count to three so that when I pray, God will answer your request. If you take that one step to God, he'll take many towards you. Are you ready? I'm counting. Slip those hands up right now so Jesus can see it while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Here we go. One, two, three. Praise God. Praise the Lord. All right. Now someone's putting their hands on your shoulders to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while we pray. So ask everybody now, please say the prayer with me, especially all of you that raise your hands. Let's say this prayer together. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. He died on that cross in my place, punished for my sins, so I can be forgiven. Thank you, Father. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'll ask him to forgive me for my sins. Praise God. I am saved. From today, I am bound for heaven. God is my Father. 
and I am forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.